Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, I'll never get as long as I live. I'll never understand that. Yeah, but you're immortal. You'll be around forever. That's what I was saying. I'll never understand all that you and we Maybe we've just been living on this side so long that we can't appreciate the fact that for humans everything's so fragile. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. We have these grown men and women. They're all over the place on that first Easter morning, back and forth, running to and from the tomb. Not something easy to do if you have sandals and robes on, and not something they're accustomed to. Grown men and women in sandals only run in an emergency. These people are excited. They're fired up. But the news that Jesus isn't in the tomb has them running in excitement to tell others. So the question is, what about us? When was the last time the empty tomb had you running anywhere? The tomb is empty. Would you stand and join me in the call to worship? Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen.
He is risen. Now that was a little disorienting at the start of the uh, of worship there, wasn't it? You know, I, I think I heard angel voices. Something was going on. It's a disorienting time indeed, isn't it? Um, long ago, I was in a junior high band. And one of the things that we liked to do if we knew ahead of time that a substitute was coming, before the substitute actually made it to the room, we would all exchange instruments. <laughs> now I played bass clarinet, but the trombone looked like a really good instrument on that day. And drummers would exchange with French horns and uh, flutists with uh, uh, tubas. And then that poor long-suffering person would show up, the substitute. And they'd say, let's turn to whatever. We're going to play a Sousa march. And they'd raise their hands up and one, and a two, and three, and... Ah, it was horrible. And this incredible, dis incredibly disorienting look would spread across their face. And you could just tell it was... They sound terrible. But, but they look like they're having so much fun. What is that? I imagine that that first Easter morning, the disorientation for Mary, for, for Peter, and for John, and for all of those disciples was incredible. It was something like that substitute teacher in our junior high band, but, but uh, at least that squared. An incredibly disorienting exercise. Life is turned upside down and inside out, and who knows? what's possible. I welcome you to worship on this Easter morning, celebrate you being here. Um, let you know that after the service today, there is a, a special a time downstairs in Fellowship Hall. There's a continental breakfast for uh, all of you. Feel free to please come down there and enjoy that and be a part of the fellowship there. A couple other announcements that we have for you today. Um, let you know that um, if you uh, can, we'd love to to have folks help us deliver some of these Easter flowers that, you, that are decorating the sanctuary today to some of our homebound folks. If you can do that, if you would see Beth uh, after worship today, that would be wonderful. I need to tell you that uh, also that uh, the Elizabeth Circle is not meeting this week. And um, there's, as you notice in the bulletin, a number of opportunities for you to be involved in all kinds of different things going on in the church, uh, food pantry, trustees, spring cleaning. Um, doing some gardening around the church. If you can do any of those, you'll notice there's some things to sign up for on your little slip in your bulletin. You can hand that in as well uh, when the offering comes <coughs> by. And, and speaking of offering, this is the week when we, we receive a special offering for uh, One Great Hour Sharing, which goes to help folks that um, are surviving disaster uh, here in the United States and around the world, people who are in poverty and suffering around the globe. Um, your offering to that uh, will help alleviate a good deal of that suffering. Um, and then also, just a, an announcement about what's coming next week, uh, Pastor Milton Mejia of the church in Colombia will be here to share with us what God is doing in Colombia and some of the real struggles there as the church works for uh, justice on behalf of the poor. You'll have a chance to hear him uh, in a minute for mission next week, and also he'll be in the adult Sunday school time. You'll notice that um, later in worship today, we will also be celebrating Holy Communion. Uh, it, it is the table of Jesus Christ. It's not the table of Yorkfield Presbyterian. You're welcome at the table. It's Christ's table. Children of the congregation, if you have brought your fish banks for one great hour sharing, bring them on up here, and Pastor Jeff has a basket for you to put them in, and he's going to lead you in your Easter lesson. Also, at, at this time, I'd like to invite any worshipers in the narthex. If you could scooch in towards the middle of the aisle, help those who are in the narthex perhaps to file in and sit on the edges of the rows. There is also an open row here in the second row of the sanctuary. If you haven't
Christ is risen. Let's practice that Easter greeting. You know what? People do it every single week. It's when we celebrate Christ and be raised from the dead. It's true practice. All say, Christ is risen. And you say, Christ is risen. Indeed. Okay? Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Christ is risen. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. I've been thinking about uh, those two angels that are in the tomb, waiting, just waiting for someone to show up so they can share with them the good news of the resurrection. What have they been up to while they've been waiting? What have they been talking about? Ye most favored of God, ye most favored of the one high God, blessed art thou. What in heaven's name are you doing? I'm practicing. This is a big deal. Probably the biggest deal ever, and I just want to get it right. Ye most favored of God, blessed art thou. I think you can leave out all the ye's and thou's. Just get on with it. Really? But that's not how Gabriel did it. Remember? He came to Mary and proclaimed, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Now that is stirring stuff. Yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. It's just that that was then, and this is now. Nobody talks like that anymore. Just be yourself. Myself? Sure. It's not the message. It's the medium. 
What's more important is that you think about who might be coming. What psychological state might they be in? How are they going to receive what we have to say? That's the sort of thing that should shape your delivery. Remember, authenticity is the big buzzword today. Nobody wants a bunch of flowery language. You really think so? Absolutely. Those first two guys who showed up, they didn't even notice we were here. They ran in, they ran out, oblivious. You didn't get a chance to get a word out, did you? Humans. Sometimes I just don't understand what God sees in them. I hear you. <sighs> you really think uh, that someone's coming again soon? You know, I think probably a king or a dignitary of some kind for sure. Well, there you go. That's what I'm saying. You can't dress a king with just any off-the-cuff remark. The elegant has to, the content has to be elegant, mm. properly formulated, mm. impeccably delivered. Mm. Blessed are thou who. Oh, you're impossible. Let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence all the voices but yours in us to hear what you are proclaiming through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The scripture lesson for today is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. It's on page 176 in the New Testament in the Pew Bibles if you wish to follow along. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaim to you which you in turn received, in which also you stand, through which also you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn had received, that Christ died for us, for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I excuse me, pers uh, persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe.
to ask you a question. Don't take any offense or anything, but uh, why are you here? Me? Well, same as you, of course, uh, to deliver the message. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, why you? Well, you want to know my credentials. I've been in the messenger business for 17 eons now. Uh, did a pretty decent job of making Balaam's donkey speak. And uh, I'm a pretty fair orator, if I do say so myself. I graduated second in my class at... Uh, no, I'm not talking about your credentials. I'm talking about numbers. I mean, why you and me? I'm not really sure. Well, don't take offense or anything, but I'm a bit miffed here. I mean, God never sent two angels before. It's like he doesn't trust one of us to get the job done. Otherwise, one ought to be enough. Well, you're not exactly correct on that. When Sarah and Abram had to have a child in their old age, he sent more than one angel to tell them. Yeah, but Abraham was a little old and slow. Well, he sent a whole chorus of angels when his son was born. So what you're saying is that one angel is enough, and he trusts us. He sent two for the effect. So, uh, like, one of us is uh, window dressing. I've not exactly put that spin on it. I wonder which one is which. <laughs> During this pause, I'm honored to share with you joys and concerns of our gathered faith community. We celebrate with Jim and Cheryl Carson as they celebrate 50th, 50 years of marriage. Congratulations to them. It is also with great joy that we celebrate that 15 members of this congregation will be leaving on Friday for a week of work camp. They are putting their faith into action by choosing to spend vacation time, weekend time, by doing mission work with those who are in need of help from recovering from flood waters. Please pray for these people, especially this week, as they are God's hands and God's feet in the world. As I read your name, mission trip participants, please stand. Susan and Pete Eddington, Joni and Tom Borchert, Barb Jones, Chris Prodal, Gordon Snyder, Kim Ryman, stay standing, <laughs> Greg Perticara, Cindy Herdick, Janet Cox, Margaret Schaefer, Jane Syringa, and the whole group will be led by John Kane. Thank you, and we ask you to please carry our love and our compassion to all those who are still in need of flood recovery in East Iowa. And God's greatest blessings be with you all on your journeys this week. Tim Doyle and Christine Kaminsky ask for prayers for one of uh, Tim's work colleagues, Jeff Paranquillo, and his family. Jeff suffered two strokes recently and then had brain surgery last weekend. Long-term prognosis is yet to be determined, and they covet your prayers. We pray also for our friend in faith, Gordon Crombie, facing surgery to remove one of his kidneys in the next weeks. And Bob Reynolds, the executive presbyter of the Chicago Presbytery, has asked for our prayers as he will undergo surgery on Tuesday for prostate cancer. Will you please pray with me? Most holy God, one who awakens all the earth to new life, we praise you. All around us are signs of your promises kept, resurrection signs. What once was dead and laid buried in the earth is now stretching to grow, reaching for the light that gives new life. Master gardener, create in us new life. Remove from us all worries and all despair that pre prevent us from fully developing into the followers that you have designed. Let this be the day of new beginnings, the morning of breakthrough growth, the beginning of our own resurrection as we leave behind the old and step into new life with you. 
faithful and steadfast God, you have promised that you are our God and we are your people. You have promised that there is nothing that can ever separate us from your love. Not the suffering of this human life, not disease, not our own poor decisions, not natural disaster, not political rulers, not even death. Your love for us is constant and ever-present. In this we rejoice. Justice-seeking God, we pray for an end to violence and the use of weapons to express cheap power. Empower us to stand boldly with sisters and brothers working for peace in all your lands with all of your peoples, those who are working to build communities where every child is loved deeply. We pray for your wisdom and protection to be with all of those serving their country. Compassionate God, hear our prayers for the sick and the suffering, for those recovering from surgery, those awaiting test results, and those living with mental illness. We pray for Jeff and Gordon for Bob and John, for Anita and Lynn and David. And hear us now as we name for you those whom we hold in our own hearts. You alone have given hearts filled with compassion and called on us to be your hands and feet to set the world right. Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence and guidance to be with the 15 adults going on the mission work trip this week. May your love and grace be ever present as they work to rebuild homes, community centers, food pantries, and churches destroyed in floodwaters. O oh, gracious God, we commission them in your name and send them. God, who is like a mother hen, wrap your loving arms around us and lead this community of faith into the future that you desire. Steer us in the journey that you have planned. Encourage us to boldly share the good news with neighbors and coworkers, family members, and strangers. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Open us to fully comprehend the tomb is empty and death is no more. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. And now with joy in our hearts, let us join together saying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. you think we're going to have to wait in here before somebody shows up? This place is kind of creeping me out. <laughs> yeah, human graveyards. Kind of odd, isn't it? If only they knew what's on the other side of death. Why did God make people so fragile? And the tears. That's the whole thing I don't get. As long as I live, I'll never understand that. Yeah, but you're immortal. You'll be around forever. That's what I'm saying. I'll never understand all that human weeping. Maybe we've lived on this side so long we can't appreciate that for humans everything is so fragile, so over. But Jesus promised them. Yeah, but you know humans, the pain stops up their ears. When they lose someone, they're hurting so much, 
that they can't think of anything else but their own pain. The next time I see some human crying, I'm going to clue them in right on the spot. I'll give them a piece of my mind. You think that's going to help? Some cranky person in white yelling, get over yourselves, you whiners? Someone's coming. Get ready. Who is it? Is it a king? I can't tell. Blessed are thou. You shut up. They're almost here. Uh-oh. It's a woman, and, and she's... A woman? Why, Why are you crying? Mary Magdalene is crying. She looks into the tomb and sees two angels seated there. They ask her simply, Woman, why are you crying? It's the only words that they can get out, because oddly, she turns away from them only to ask the gardener the same question. I say this is odd, because how often do you have a chance to chat with an angel, let alone two of them? But she's so devastated, she isn't even curious. It doesn't even register with her that she has just spoken with angels. In her desperate search, she only has eyes for Jesus. In her veil of tears, Mary turns abruptly from the tomb. And standing directly behind her is Jesus. But she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the cemetery gardener. And he asks her the very same question the angels asked. Sir, if you have taken him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mujer, por qué lloras? Wait a second. Did Jesus just speak in Spanish? What's going on here? Mary doesn't recognize him at first, but remember, on that first Easter morning, and for several days afterwards, she isn't alone in that. Nobody's quite ready for what's going on. The two who walk with Jesus to Emmaus, they don't recognize him until they sit down to eat together. And when Jesus shows up at that fish fry on the beach, his disciples aren't quite sure it's him at first either. It's good for us to remember that, that Jesus is not dead. He's alive. And he's running around disorienting everybody, everywhere, then and now. Here Mary mistakes Jesus for the gardener. And without wanting to offend anybody, if, if this was contemporary Elmhurst, most likely the gardener would be speaking Spanish, or at least in a Hispanic accent, right? Maybe a similar thing was going on for Mary. She just wasn't ready to hear Jesus' voice coming from the lips of a gardener. Mary's stumbling block is ours as well. We have preconceptions, don't we? About what Jesus looks like. About what he talks like. Most often we tend to think that Jesus is just like us. <coughs> But Jesus is alive, and he's free to come and do as he pleases and appear to us as he pleases. So the larger question is, are we able to hear his voice calling to us in another accent than our own? Can we see his face in the face of a stranger? It's important that we be able to answer yes because Jesus himself tells his disciples it's just that kind of discernment that opens the doors to heaven. He tells them, remember, come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. Poor Mary's pain is palpable. She's confused and hurting. Jesus, whom she dearly loved, has just died a horrible death. 
On top of that, she now believes that his tomb has been desecrated and even worse, that someone has snatched away his body. She suffers the greatest pain of all because she doesn't yet believe. But all of that is about to change. Then Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Jesus doesn't allow Mary to hold on to him. He won't allow any clinging. As much as we might want to, to just sort of hang out with him, to to huddle up in our own little Christian enclaves, We have to go and share the good news. And to Mary Magdalene's great credit, that is exactly what she does. How about you? Are you content to keep the gospel, the good news to yourself? How can you? When was the last time that you ran to share the good news, to share it with those who are still heartbroken, who think... Every tomb is full. And that's the way it will always be. Who believe death is the end of everything. How many hearts are breaking out there because you haven't yet gone to tell them the good news? He's risen indeed.